Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are doing things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our turns. And I want to say really quickly, if this is your very first episode, welcome, super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, welcome back. You know how much I appreciate you for coming back week after week. And whether you're a new friend or an old friend, I just want to say I love you and I appreciate you and you are absolutely what makes this show possible. Every single week, I interview epic humans making a beautiful impact in the world and therefore supporting you to do the same. And I work really hard to curate real humans. It's an acronym I invented that stands for respectful, enthusiastic, appreciative, and loving. And I invest a ton of research to pull out all their juiciest content so that you can go out and create the impact that you want to create in the world. And today's guest is a literal titan, an entrepreneurial titan, and somebody that is changing the world and making a huge difference. His name is Brian Scudamore. I will get to Brian's bio in just a second, but just as a teaser, I want to tell you about three things that you can look forward to in today's episode. Number one, Brian's journey of building a $600 million a year company, despite the fact that he has, as he jokes, a kindergarten diploma. (laughs) He dropped out of both high school, negotiated his way into college and dropped out of college as well. So incredible journey there. Number two, I want you to look out for the craziest junk Brian has ever removed. So you may be wondering what kind of company does this guy have, (laughs) but it may or may not have to do with escargot and also look for the story about a dollar bill that they found peeking out of a floorboard. That's awesome. And number three, I want you to look out for how Gelato was responsible for building an eight figure brand. So if you didn't recognize the name, Brian is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He is a serial entrepreneur and an author that has always taken the road less traveled. At just 19 years old, he pioneered the industry of professional junk removal with 1-800-GOT-JUNK, turning a chore people avoid into an exceptional customer service experience. Then he scaled that business into two more home service brands, Wow One Day Painting and Shack Shine under the O2E brand's banner. Brian learned the ins and outs of business by running his own and believes that anyone with a fire in their gut and a vision for doing something incredible can do the same. His philosophy, WTF or willing to fail, stems from his belief in the power of dreaming big, taking risks, and learning from mistakes. Through franchising, he's giving thousands of aspiring entrepreneurs the chance to BYOB or build your own business, be your own boss, as per Brian's definition, and live their dream of business ownership. You can find Brian's books, WTF, Willing to Fail, How Failure Can Be Your Key to Success, and BYOB, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss, at brianscudamore.com and his last name is spelled S-C-U-D-A-M-O-R-E. You can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Brian Scudamore and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Scudamore. It is not every single day that you get the opportunity to have a in-depth conversation with somebody that has built a $600 million plus a year company. Not only is he an incredibly successful entrepreneur, but he is an epic human. You can tell how much he cares about making a difference in the lives of his employees and everybody that's involved. And so I'm super excited to introduce you to my new friend, Brian Scudamore. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Brian, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend. Yeah, good to be here, Brandon. This is going to be an absolute blast. And I thought we'd start with a really fun spot. You know, you have over 200 franchises since 1998 with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. You've been doing this for years and years. And your tagline is, we make junk disappear. All you have to do is point. And in my research, I, I... I found some specific things, but I can only imagine you have some crazy stories of mm. things you've had to haul yeah. away for people. So I would love for you to share any of the top things that come to mind as like crazy things or fun things that you've had to remove from people's homes. 
Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Anything from Clark Gable's old piano to John Wayne's Bible we found in some junk. It was actually his personal Bible. We've hauled away 18,000 pounds of expired sardines in their canisters. Escargot shells. I remember loading a truck myself into the back of a truck. I load it with escargot shells and the customer says, come on, you can fit in another load. And he was right. We jumped off the second story of his office building into the back, crushed down the shells and threw in some more. Customer's always right. We had some fun. I guess there has to be a story as to why this guy had so many escargot shells. But there's another, I'm curious if you could tell this one. I found in my research, you found some people that found a lot of money hidden in someone's house. Did you? Would you mind sharing that really quick one? <laughs> yeah, so actually an old house that was being renovated. Our guys were there for 1-800-GOT-JUNK and someone was cleaning up and sweeping up a pile and they noticed what looked like money in the floorboards. And he grabbed the customer and said, that looks like that's money. And the guy said, I think you're right. So they jacked up part of the floor, found that there were stacks of cash. They ended up ripping up the entire floor, $400,000 in bills. Now, the interesting part was these were 1932 circa bills. So when they did the math and figured out what it would be worth in today's dollars, it was over $5 million in cash. Our truck team members got a great tip out of it. I think they got a thousand bucks and the homeowner got a cheaper reno, but nobody to say, this would... day knows why it was there. That's crazy. Maybe some crazy mafia or something lived there and they left it. <laughs> but I guess we'll never know. And I'm glad that your drivers got an epic tip from that. So I wanted to start there, not only because it was a, a fun place to start, but also it's just you have had quite a journey over the year of building these franchises. And we can go into all different components of your story. I love the book, BYOB, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss. I would highly encourage anyone to check that out. And we'll dive all into that. But before we get into some of that content, I thought we'd paint the picture and share a little bit of your background on getting into 1-800-GOT-JUNKS. I want to start actually really early. I want to start at age four and a half. So you have two incredible grandparents, Florence and Kenny, and they Mm -hmm. own an army surplus store. And something that you found at your grandma's house uh, was shocking to you. We'd we'd love for you to share what that was and what you found. Yeah, my, my grandparents love and miss them dearly. They've both passed on. And my grandmother, when she passed away, we went and cleaned out her house. And I found a binder and it said on it, Brian's Drawings. And I opened it up and I remember some of the stuff that was in there. I'm like, I remember drawing that. The most interesting picture was a self-portrait. It was one that I drew of myself. And it my grandma wrote on the back, Brian, four and a half years old, was me in a uniform with a hat sweeping up junk with a junk truck in the back. And it was just incredible that I was able to envision my own future. Little did I know that that day at just over four years old, I'm planting a seed in my mind of what could my future become? And here I am today running a multi-million dollar junk removal company and other brands. And my grandparents, I'm, I think I got so much from them from their army surplus store that they owned and ran and I would go work as an employee and really got a love for business and how they treated their customers. It's, it's been a fun journey. And you say, look at the journey that I've gone on so far. I feel I'm not even halfway. I'm, I'm building a great team. We've got a $600 million brand with 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we'll build hundreds of million dollar brands with uh, Wow One Day Painting and Shack Shine or other companies. So the world, uh, the future is bright. Very excited. I'm excited to see where you take all this stuff and the incredible stuff that you're going to continue to invent. Because like you said, it seems like you're just getting started. So let's go to the early days. Obviously, you didn't start 1-800-GOT-JUNK at age four and a half, even though you had the vision for it clearly. But tell us a little bit about, take us back to the earlier years, how the Rubbish Boys was born and where you were at that led you to create the company to begin with. Of course. So I was never a great student of school. I dropped out of school many times. I went to 14 schools from kindergarten through to university. So the only diploma I have, and not trying to be funny, but it's true, is a kindergarten diploma. I dropped out of high school. I talked my way into college. I went to a bunch of colleges and never finished. Now, while I dropped out of school because I had a business opportunity and felt like I was learning much more about business by running a business versus studying in school... It doesn't mean that I dropped out of learning. I dropped out of school, but I still love to learn just in a way that would work for me. I'm a very AD, hyper, always thinking type guy, hard time focusing. I see squirrels running around everywhere. And for me, school didn't work. 
but getting out and meeting other business people in life and just asking questions, being curious and learning, that was my way to learn. And so I dropped out of school. I remember sitting down with my father, who's a liver transplant surgeon. And I said, hey, dad, I've got some good news for you. I'm quitting school. He said, what? How, how is that good news? And I said, my school will always be there if I choose to go back, but I'm learning more running a business and I'm going to pursue my dream. And he didn't like the idea, but trusted me. He said, oh, my oldest son's quitting school to become a full-time junk man. But things did work out in the end. I had dinner with him the other night. He's incredibly proud, but it took years for him to believe in the painted picture, the vision that I saw for myself and my future. It's so cool in, in seeing, you know, you share so much of your journey in the book, but I, I came across somewhere. It's like that original picture of you with your old beat up truck that you just had it spray painted on the side. And that was how you got started with everything. And so I, I'm glad that you were able to prove your dad wrong in a loving way. <laughs> and yeah. that he's very proud of every, the everywhere that you've come as a result of that. Cool. So I thought that would set the foundation for us to understand a little bit about 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And so what I did is I, I read BYOB and I picked out some of what I would consider to be the core first principle concepts that you talk about in the book that I think are super valuable no matter what level of business you're at. If you constantly refine these more and more, you're going to end up in an incredible spot. And so I'm going to start by reading a section of your book and then I'd love to dive into a chunk of this. But this thing really stood out for me. Successful companies differentiate themselves in ways that customers actually care about. And it helps if the name of the company reflects the wonderful thing that they do. I hit the bullseye on both of these with wow, one day painting. Part of marketing is your name. Part of marketing is your logo and your brand colors. Part of your marketing is the personality radiated by the words that you use. And then skipping forward a little bit, you said you might not get it right the first time, but you've got to get it right before you can lift off the runway. Your skycraft needs wind beneath its wings. And the name of that wind is marketing. So lots to unpack. There's so much genius in that little paragraph there. But I thought a fun place to kick things off in this section would to be to for you to tell the story about how gelato was responsible for you launching the branding for wow one day painting <laughs> yeah so maybe i'll step back a little bit and say that sure. with 1-800-GOT-JUNK did i get lucky we came up with a name that was a phone number that was a web address everything was 1-800-GOT-JUNK and it people always obviously knew how to reach us they understood what we were offering you've got junk great just point and we'll make it disappear <laughs> And so I tried to get that phone number for years and or for months. I was making all these phone calls and it took me 60 phone calls to actually get through to the right person who would finally say, yes, you can have this number. It was someone at the Department of Transportation in Idaho. The government owned this number. Oh, wow. And I was able to convince them that I needed it and I had a vision behind it. I had created the 1-800-GOT-JUNK brand, the look, the feel before actually having the phone number. I spent money on a design company when I didn't have a lot of money to create the brand that I knew somehow I would find a way to get. So that leads me to wow one day. 22 years later, when I go start this second business or acquire a business and build it, I saw the power of a brand and how people know your name, they know what you stand for, they People buy brands that they relate to, that they like to like the people behind them and the culture and so on. So I said, okay, how am I going to take this next brand and do something similar with 1-800-GOT-JUNK? We bought this company, One Day Painting. I was looking for someone to paint my home and I got three referrals. The first two came to my door and they smelled the cigarette smoke. They showed up late. They weren't very professional and they were what I expected in the painting world. The third guy comes to my door clean uniform, shiny van, organized, his iPad, his estimating system. And he said, listen, my price is the same as everyone else. My quality is the same or better. I've done this for a dozen years plus. But the kicker, what got me excited is he said, when we get your home painted, when we agree on painting day, we will have your home painted in a day. I didn't think it was possible. I put Jim to the test. And at the end of the day, I come home 6.30 p.m., floor to ceilings, molding trim, everything was immaculate and it was done in a day like he promised my entire house. My feeling walking out of that was wow. So we bought the company. We called it Wow One Day Painting. And we actually tried to brand it in a similar way to 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Bright, bold colors. It was a little too collegiate. And in a world filled with a lot of college painting companies, our brand didn't 
excuse me, did not stand out and was not unique enough. And it didn't fit the value prop of that wow feeling. So I was in Florence, Florence, Italy. I was on a trip with my family and we were trying to redesign the brand and we spent about a year and we were stuck. We knew it wasn't working. And uh, I looked at this gelato that spoke to me and it was this one flavor of many in Florence and it had some lime wedges as eyes and a smile. And I'm like, that is the gelato I want to buy, even though it's not my favorite flavor, lemon, because it's talking to me and it had a personality. And so I took a picture of that. I sent it to our designer back in Vancouver and I said, whatever they did to this gelato, do that to our logo. And we've got this right. And sure enough, we captured magic. And the Wow One Day logo smiles and connects with you. And our customers, when they have their house painted in a day, they walk out and they go, wow. And all these franchise owners that we're bringing in are not coming into the family going, hey, I want to be a painter. In fact, we don't want painters. We want someone who wants to build a business empire that's dreamed of business ownership for themselves, that connects to that logo, connects to the brand and says, wow, delivering the service in a day versus two weeks, that's exceptional. And we're doing something really special. So a long answer to a question, but you can tell I'm clearly passionate about branding and you do, you have to get it right, even if you don't get it right the first time. I can picture you in Florence. I've lived in Florence for three or four months or something like that. So oh, I don't wow. know if it was Gelateria de Neri, which is the most, the, the best one. I don't know where you mm. were at, but I love that. <laughs> I love yeah. that that was what inspired it. I want to zoom in on one component of that because I think it's really cool to hear a story like that. And you're like, yeah, it made sense. We switched the brand colors and it was based on gelato and it's this thing. But but you you had to have the funnel and fundamental understanding that the branding wasn't resonating with people. Like you had to notice that was something. So what were some of the early indications that were leading you to want to cause a shift in the branding? Or mm. I guess the other component to that is how would somebody identify that they have a branding problem in yeah. their business? So you, I think it's always important to check with your customers and your customers don't necessarily know how things need to change, but they might be able to tell you something's not right. Are they not understanding your brand? Do they not get the value prop? And I started to hear two things. One was, you remind me of all these other college painting companies. Somebody starts a painting company during university and they have the football colors and themes and it just felt collegiate. And that's not who we wanted to be. We wanted to be the uber professional, like we're taking this up a notch. Done in a day. This is big. This is a big commitment. The second thing though, and this was really clear, this was like a punch in the face for me, was a customer said, Brian, if you're trying to build trust in the home, all these painters come in and they flash mob paint your home in a day and it's all coordinated and done right. If you want to build trust in your home, I'd suggest you don't have your customer, your employees all dressed in, and our these were our colors, orange and a navy blue, don't have them dressed in penitentiary orange. The t-shirts they were wearing were these bright orange. They looked like convicts at an escape jail. And, and this woman <laughs> said this to me and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was just a, a smack in the face. And I thought, you know what? Branding, what you say with the colors you choose, not that orange is not a good color, but for our brand showing up in the home, it gave the wrong feeling to the customer. It didn't create trust. It created anxiety. And that was the big shift. And off we went. Got to redo this. And as I said, it took a year and you never know where inspiration will strike. We were stuck trying to rebrand it. We couldn't make it different. And then of all places, a gelato shop. I don't remember which gelato shop it was either by name, but... Yeah, I I was going to go somewhere with there, but I totally lost it because I was thinking about gelato again. But I love that in the sense that you were able to notice that and leverage the power of the feedback and listening. Like even though you have so many different employees, so many different sources, like you still have your ear to the ground and are listening to how people are reacting to things. And it seems like you unlocked some magic it, as you were talking. Okay. Now I remember where I was going to oh, go good, with it, good. is you, you were talking about trust as a primary component of what you're building. And this is a theme throughout all of your brands, right? Like you are entering in someone's home in a typically invasive way. And then you want to make sure that everybody's showing up in a very professional way. I came across in your book, one of the, one of your favorite stories was a Shack Shine customer that <laughs> called about getting access to their home where they got locked out. Would you mind sharing that story? Yeah. So it's interesting. A customer calls us and said, I, I'm locked out of my house. I can't get in and I've got a problem and I'm a customer of yours. I wonder if you guys can help me. And the person on the other line said, with all due respect, wouldn't you call a locksmith? 
And this person said, I don't trust my locksmith, but I trust you. And that hit home that, wow, people really invest a lot in understanding not just who we are, but the value we can bring in a trusted relationship. We show up uniformed, clean cut, professional. And so they would rather us, they said, listen, you've got ladders. There's a window that I know is open. I just need you to go through it and let me in and happy to pay you for it. I just don't want to hire a locksmith because I don't trust a locksmith in the same way. I don't want them to have copies of my keys. And to me, that was a, a big aha moment. Brands are important. And, and here's our leveraging off of that. And I know you know what's in the book. Our secret formula, our strategic for, formula for growth, we start with our people, our employees and our franchise owners. And our belief is if you take care of your people and treat them well, they will go on to take care of your customer and treat your customer well. So when a customer says, I trust you, I trust Shack Shine, I want you to come up with your ladders and get me into my house versus a locksmith, that's because the franchise owner has taken care of their people to make sure that they hire well, that they treat them with love and respect, that they help them grow and develop within the business. And if we take care of our people, they'll take care of the customer. The customer will then take care of the growth of our company, our reputation, our profits. Works like magic, not easy, but it does work like magic when we get it right. And you do that through and through. Obviously, like you care so much about your branding and understanding that subconsciously somebody showing up in an orange suit is you know, like maybe causing that mistrust mm -hmm. and like even examining at that level to make sure that they're having a quality experience throughout the whole thing. And I love that you went high level and you brought back some of your core philosophies. And I highlighted this because I thought it was super incredible the way that you articulate this, but I came, this comes from you. We hire great people and treat them right. And that's how we change the world. We make mm -hmm. big promises and we keep them. And that's mm -hmm. how we change an industry. So this was another uh, foundational core principle concept that I wanted to dive into because as another guest on my show said, Joel Weldon, a, a really famous public speaker, you need to make your messages impossible to be misunderstood. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I've seen just observing your brands is there is no question about the value that you provide and the USPs that you've created. So, mm -hmm. you know, for while one day transform your home in a day, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we make junk disappear. All you have to do is point. It's one of those elements developing a strong USP is such an incredibly big needle mover in people's businesses. So I would love for you to share as somebody that has created these brands, what are some of your tips for creating a USP and clearly communicating the USP so that people understand it from the customer to everyone that's involved in the process? No, it's a great question, Brandon. I think that it, my experience on it is take your time to get it right and know that a brand is like a child that grows up from being a baby, learning to crawl, walk, run, and their personality develops over time. A brand has a personality. Don't be afraid to help mold it and shape it over time and try one thing. If you go down, a, if you're at a fork in the road and you go down one fork and you don't like what you then retreat and try the other fork. So with our brands, it was one triple eight. Wow. One day painting was our phone number, our collegiate colors, the penitentiary orange. It didn't work. It was expensive to change it. It was expensive for our franchise partners to rebrand, but we did it because it was the right thing to do. So I think it's pay attention. And we like magical feelings in our brands. So just point and junk disappears. Has a customer ever just pointed and the junk magically disappears? Of course not. But it's this feeling of you're empowering the customer just to go take that and take that. And with Shackshine, we say your home will love you. Your home can't love you. But somehow there's an emotional connection between Shackshine and people going, if you hire Shackshine, we will make sure that your home loves you and thanks you for the great work that you've done to take care of your home. So it's adding a feeling. Apple does this. Starbucks does this. There's brands that have figured out how to be that connection to humans. Amazon's a brand that I think most of us must use, must use at some point. I don't feel connected to Amazon. I feel connected to the ease of one click, boom. Mm. But I don't feel like, I don't know what an Amazon employee looks like. I don't know what their people, it's technology and I don't feel connected. But to Starbucks or going into an Apple store or watching Tim Cook deliver his keynote message of what, what's happening with the phone and the next version and so on, they've got a human connection. And I think that brands, while we love technology, it's still incredibly important to complement that with a human connection.
and you're you've gone so deep into understanding the cohesiveness between your brands and knowing that at the core you have these USPs like the magic and those feelings and positioning it from the perspective of how a customer feels. And I think that's something that I love. I love your answer in the sense that it's not like going to be this one magical moment where it all clicks into place that like this has been a 30 year plus evolution for you to really make these small tweaks and listen to the feedback. And one day someone tells you that you have penitentiary orange (laughs) and it's not fun to hear, but you have to make some changes. And so I think that's just really enlightening for anyone to remember that the chances of it being a light bulb moment and changing everything. And and then maybe there's iterations in the future that you have yet to discover and that your brand is still alive and implementing that stuff. So I love that. Another thing that as I was thinking about, as you were talking is part of your evolution and understanding of your businesses has been knowing what you do best. So you just talked about the magic of the, that kind of comes across all of your stuff. And there was a time when you experimented with something that didn't necessarily have as much of that magical flair and ended up not working out as much as you would have thought. And so I would love for you to share the story of the, you move me and what you learned from that whole experience for you. Yeah. And I don't know if this is a podcast where people will actually see you and I on camera, but for anybody that couldn't see, I took a deep breath. I'm just like, oh, because it <laughs> it's a failure of ours. You move me. It's a failure of mine. There were lots of great things about starting that business, but there was learning. And sometimes with learning, it's painful. You know, think of a little kid learning to ski. You fall, you get back up. You fall, you get back up. You bang your head like it. It can hurt and it takes time to really realize the learning. And so You Move Me for us was a little bit arrogant. We're like, oh, we've done this a couple of times before. We can do this again. We transformed the painting business or we're en route to doing it. We've done it in junk. We're doing it like, why not do it in another space? Hey, moving, everyone needs moving. And I had a terrible moving experience and I thought, ah, we can do better. So we started this business we gave it eight years. We had 25 franchise owners from 1-800-GOT-JUNK that we brought in early days, and we sold them moving businesses. Everyone was excited. Let's do this together. We were the fastest, biggest launch of a moving company in history, and we failed. And it's interesting because Dina Dwyer, who's a mentor of mine, who started a company called the Dwyer Group, they own Mr. Reuter, Mr. Electric, a bunch of great franchise brands. And we called her and told her our plan. She goes, Brian, don't do it. I said, why? She said, because you're putting people who are in 1-800-GOT-JUNK, that's their bread and butter, they're focused on junk removal and that brand, you're now going to disfocus them into another brand. We've tried it. It doesn't work. I said, okay, I appreciate the advice. Thank you. And off we went and we did it. We called her eight years later and said, Dina, you were right. We were wrong. We tried it. Now, here's the big reason why beyond just we disfocused people. Because someone could go, Brian, you've got three brands. You're just focused in others. Why can't others do it? We have a separate managing director who runs every brand in the same way that Berkshire Hathaway, you take Warren Buffett, would have all these companies. He's got somebody running that brand and they're off making all the decisions. That's the same with our three brands. We've got decision makers, presidents, managing directors, we call them. With You Move Me, we had franchise owners competing with themselves. 1-800-GOT-JUNK, moving. It was disfocusing. But the real reason why it failed for us, maybe someone else can succeed in this space, is we believed that we could make the business easier and better. And we noticed that with 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Shine and Wow One Day, they are happy businesses. Your junk's gone. Oh, what a relief. You can see through your windows. Shine, awesome. Feels great. Wow One Day painting. My home's been transformed. Look at this color. I feel awesome. They're happy businesses. When you move, as we've all done, whether you have to have someone unpack or not, stuff breaks, stuff gets lost, you've got to move things around, everyone's stressed, you're in a new apartment, a new environment, a new house. It's tough. It's not a happy business, no matter how great our You Move Me people would do. At the end of the day, we realized we can't transform it. We can't make it a happy business. Again, Brandon, maybe there's someone out there that's going, I can do it. Take a shot. Awesome. We sold you move me. We broke even on it. We preserved the relationship with our existing franchise partners, but we admitted our failure. We gave it eight years and we couldn't make it work. Now, my only regret is I think we should have given up after five. I think we took too long. And like a child, I look at my brands and I go, I've got three brands. I've got three kids. 
they're each at different stages and they develop. Unlike a child that you don't really let go and turn loose, we should have given up on on you move me sooner. We knew it wasn't working and our ego wanted to make it work, but it gave us great learning. So all that to say our learning going forward is what business would we get into next? It has to be a happy business. Lots of learning. It's so cool how clear you are on the secret sauce that you bring to the table now. Like that 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 big expensive WTF lesson as you would say, willing to fail lesson. It was like it reinforced for you that you need that anything that you will create or will or that you have created in the past is all about those happy businesses and that's where your secret sauce is and where you can apply yourself. But I think that those lessons come in ugly packages, but that you have to go throughout those experiences in order to understand and clarify where you bring the most to the table. So I absolutely love that. I thought another fun thing to talk about in an alignment with knowing yourself and knowing the value of your businesses has to do with another story that you tell in BYOB. And that is getting to know your why you alluded to it. But one day you get a uh, view master in the mail. <laughs> so for those of you in the audience that don't know what that is, would you mind describing what a view master is in case that needs a description yeah, and then I sharing mean, the story behind it? <laughs> I remember going to Disneyland as a kid and you would get one of the big souvenirs was this view master, which was this little thing that would you'd click the side and it would go click and it would advance these little slides, these little pictures of Disney characters and photos from Disneyland. And this guy, Simon Sinek, who is a very well-known name, I'd be surprised if anyone on this podcast doesn't know who he is, sends me a Viewmaster. And it's got all these slides. And I'm clicking through and I'm like, it's just a bunch of dots. Cameron Harold, who was our COO at the time, and we're still great friends today, he says to me, he goes, oh, it says vision. And I go, I can't see that it says vision. It's all dots. Simon Sinek set it up like a colorblind test with all these different dots. And I happen to be colorblind. So I couldn't tell <laughs> that it said vision. And he got our attention. He had sent that because he goes, Brian, I know you're a vision guy. Cameron, I know you're an executor. I want to meet with you guys. I don't know why. I've got an ad agency. He was doing marketing at the time. And Simon goes, I want to work with you guys. I don't know how and where, but I'm going to come out and meet you. So he came out and had lunch with us. And uh, we go out for lunch and he starts talking about this golden circle, this what ultimately became his why. And it got me excited so much to the point that one night he stayed at my place. He stayed on my couch. We became friends and he did. He helped me uncover my why. And my why is very much like the sign behind me. It's fun to do the impossible is a Walt Disney quote. My why is I love seeing others dream big for themselves. I want to challenge and push people to imagine big possibilities, because if you imagine big possibilities, you never know they might just happen. So I get to, through my organization, take people, the 66% of the world who is inspired to start their own business, but they don't actually take the step because they don't know how. I can offer some help and support to people that want to start a franchise with a proven recipe versus building something from scratch. And so my why is really inspiring big ideas and others, and then giving them a friendly little push to go out and make it happen. And that's what motivates me in the world, watching people grow, watching people do big things. Your audience, there might be someone there that reaches out to me and goes, Brian, oh, I read BYOB. I'm inspired to start my own business, whether a franchise or not. What do you recommend are my next steps? And being able to inspire somebody to live the dream that I feel I'm living as an entrepreneur, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, the learning and the growth the satisfaction of not just making money, but watching your team grow and thrive. thrive. It's unbelievable. I couldn't imagine a better career for me. I can't even imagine the clarity that provides you to have that as an understanding that, you know, your why is to inspire big possibilities in others. And I, I think anyone listening hears that. It's like, that sounds incredible, but I don't know what mine is. And obviously you've worked with Simon. What can you maybe tell a little bit about some of the things that you learned along the way and understanding that? How did you uncover that was at the core of what you do? Because it directly translates into what I would assume that impacts your picture, painted pictures, which I'd love to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. But like, how talk a little bit about the journey of uncovering that why for yourself personally. Yeah. So big fan of the book that Simon wrote starts with why. So I think that's a great place for anybody to start. But what Simon did, and clearly the guy's a rock star and has a process, 
he ran me through a day of going deep back into my childhood and asking question after question, not as a psychiatrist, psychologist type, but just trying to uncover what am I good at? What do I love to do? Marcus Buckingham, another famous author, would say, first play to your strengths. Someone like me who failed out of school, couldn't finish school, couldn't sit still. I'm not an idiot. I've got lots of strengths and gifts in the world. Play to my strengths. Under, un, understand what those are. And so we went back into my childhood and it was things like I started a car wash as a young kid in my neighborhood and had a price war with the neighbor across the street and rallied other kids in the neighborhood to work with me and make some money and clean cars and do marketing on the corners. I started a school store selling candies and chocolate bars from my dorm room. Like we just started to go into my past was all about the fun and the growth behind doing something new, doing something that nobody thought could be done. I was making way more money doing this car wash than my friends were making in summer jobs years later. And so it was just me rallying people behind a possibility and it somehow just came out and I was like, wow, yes, that's exactly it. And so it can take years to uncover your why, but what's been great is once Simon helped me uncover it, it's never changed. It's never felt wrong. It's always felt like exactly why I am here doing what I'm doing. So then what it does for me, which is interesting is it gives you purpose in your life where you know why I know why I'm on this podcast, because someone might hear my passion for my why, my passion for franchising, for building businesses, for trying things differently, for being willing to fail. Someone might hear that and go, oh, I get it. And it triggers something in them. And I think the world's about making the world a better place. If we can all share our gifts with others, clearly you have one or many. Once you understand it and you're clear on it, every decision you do is about making progress towards your why. So beautiful. I would encourage anyone, as you mentioned, I used Simon's process. He's got another book called Find Your Why, if I remember correctly. It's like designed to be supplemental to start with why. And I did that same process with a close friend of mine where they just asked me about all my childhood experiences and they were looking for those common threads. And so I'm 26. I understand that it'll most likely evolve, but my greatest understanding of my why is to create a more deeply connected world. And so I think podcasting is one of the best mediums to do that. And so the clarity that it's provided me and the relationships and the way that I approach things has been incredible. So I love that you have that as a through line as well. And that's been a super strong skill set of yours. And Brandon, I will add when you've got your why, So if yours is to create a better, more deeply connected world, when someone's got their why, the test is when I'm doing things towards that why, am I just so lit up and passionate and excited? Does it feel right? Because it's one thing to put it down in paper on paper and say, this is why I'm here. But it's got to not just feel right. You just everyone around you is, yes, that is your why. And when people say to me, I'm a possibility guy. It's not because I'm telling them that. It's just that's all the work I'm doing in the area of my why. Others recognize it and they point it out. And so when it's all working, that's where the magic happens. So kudos for you at half my age, figuring it out sooner than than I did. I appreciate that. And yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing. And if more of us can get more connected with why we're here, at least have a way of expressing that, it just creates massive impact and beauty in the world, which is incredible. So let's talk about an expansion of your why. So one of the things that you've become known for is this concept of a painted picture, which makes sense that's coming from your why. Would you mind, maybe a good place to start would be for you to share the first ever painted picture you created and describe what that is. And then we can go from. So it's interesting. I've never said this before because I didn't quite realize the connection. My painted picture came way before my why. So my painted picture didn't flow from, I love creating possibilities and challenging others to think big. My painted picture came first. And what's interesting about my painted picture is here's the story of how it flowed and I'll tie it to the why is I was on my parents' dock. They had a summer cottage, a bit of a shack on the water, an hour from my home. And I was in a bit of a doom loop, a, "Ah, I don't feel good enough. I have a million dollar business, but I don't know if I can grow it bigger. It's in garbage removal. I don't have the college education. I never finished school. I don't have any money. Like, what am I doing? And what I decided to do was stop the doom loop negative thinking, shift to pure possibility, I grabbed a sheet of paper, just a plain sheet, one page, double-sided, and I filled it. 
with words coming out of my mouth, sentences describing what will the next five years look like? Where will I be in five years? And it turned into this document. It wasn't where I hoped to be, wanted to be, would try to be. It was where am I going? It was like I was crystal balling the future. And I said, it started with, we will be in the top 30 metros in North America. There's 30 cities bigger than Vancouver where I started the Rubbish Boys. We will be the FedEx of junk removal, clean, shiny trucks, friendly, uniform drivers. We will be on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I just listed all these commitments. And again, they weren't goals. It was a picture. And if a picture says a thousand words, my painted picture was like, wow, I left from after writing that instead of being in a doom loop, I had goosebumps. I was like, oh, I can see this. I took my painted picture, my vision of the future from my brain and started sharing it with others. And I said, in five years time, by December 31st, 2003, this is where we will go. And it separated my company at the time, very small company at a million dollars in revenue into two camps. Some people who said, oh, Brian, you're smoking hope dope. Good luck with this. The other group said, wow, this is compelling. I want to be a part of this. That group stayed. The others ultimately in short order left. And we believed in this shared possibility of the future. And now how it ties to my why is my job in life is to help others dream big and accomplish big things, bigger and better together. This group who joined, got excited about my vision, wanted to follow my leadership in it. And we went and did this big stuff together that no one thought we could do. We went from having one operation to the 30 biggest cities in five years. We did get on the Oprah Winfrey show. All these big things happened because I planted a seed that others rallied around and off we went. And what's exciting today, and I know you've mentioned Cameron Harold, I think just before we started, Cameron, great buddy. He was at 2 million to 106 million in revenue with us in seven years. And he took the concept of painted picture further and wrote a book about it, The Vivid Vision. I love that painted picture has grown into something where others are saying, how can I put this in my life? How can I put this in my business? And dream big. You never know what might happen. That's me living my why to a T. Mm, I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you just because <laughs> it's so cool to see where all this is coming from and that it's just come from a place of you understanding yourself and the value that you create in the world. And I think you talk a lot in your book about how it all starts with the vision and the vision is... I think that the vision actually was powered by your why, but you didn't, you didn't in the order of the things that it came from you. It's like, you didn't understand that quite yet. Uh, so yeah, I was really, living my why I was living right. my why in pieces, but until I got absolute clarity to say, okay, this is it. Once you've got clarity and it's distilled down almost into a little fortune cookie piece of writing that you go, okay, that's what I do each and every day. The more I can do just that and only that and recruit a team of people to do everything else the more powerful everybody is and the happier everyone is. 100%. So I, I, there were a few other business things I want to ask you, but, but since we're here, I know we only got a few like 10-ish minutes left. So let's stay at this level because I love this. It's super inspirational. I think that inspiring more people to do exactly what you say and find their inspire them to dream bigger is incredible. And you have this exercise that you encourage people to do in the book. And I literally stopped in the coffee shop I was at yesterday and I did it, <laughs> the 101 life goals. So I would love for you to share a little bit about that and how you leverage that to inspire people to play bigger. Yeah. So when Cameron and I used to talk about the painted picture and vision, Cameron said, you're the vision guy, Brian. I can't think in vision. He's now shifted his tune and he gets it because he's written books <laughs> and talks about it. But I said, the way I see it is if I asked you, Cameron, what matters to you? As an employee in our organization, as a leader, what's important to you in the difference you want to make in your own life and others? And I asked the question, what can you imagine for yourself? You get somebody to take a list, a sheet of paper, and just start writing down up to 101 goals and dreams. And so I sat down with Cameron and I said, you say you can't envision the future. I think that's garbage. Uh, here, I'll prove it to you. I said, Cameron, if you were to go on a trip anywhere in the world, money wasn't an object, you'd go tomorrow, where would you go? And I don't remember where he said, but somewhere tropical. What are you drinking? Who are you sitting with? Describe the sound in the around you. What does it feel like? Why are you excited to be there? And he was able to envision everything. Because like you in the coffee shop, if you had someone asking you questions, 
you'd be easily able to boom, rattle them all off. So we take our people and we say, everybody can envision something in their future. Take a list of paper, 101 different things. And some people can only get to 10 or five, doesn't matter. Add to the list later and share it with your peers, fellow employees, and cheerlead each other to do incredible, awesome things. For us, it's a great way to get to know people. The story in the book that I share is that Ted Leonis, who owns the Washington Wizards and was part of AOL in the early days, his plane was going down. He had 20 minutes until they actually safely landed. And in that time, he had written 101 different things that he said, if my plane lands safely, I'm going to go do these. And so we borrowed that concept and made it part of our O2E brands. Now, it's awesome because someone you'll see on someone's list, one of their 101 life goals is to conquer their fear of heights. Okay, great. How about you join us on a charity event for Easter Seals where we're rappelling down 25-story buildings to raise money for charity? Are you kidding me? That would scare the heck out of me. No, we support this person and then we get someone. I, we had this woman, Renee who joined us as we rappelled down a mount, down a, a, a building, just held by a rope. And she said, oh my gosh, I conquered my fear. Check. You have people that want to meet certain famous people or go to the Super Bowl or go to the Stanley Cup finals. If our business can help someone inspire them to take action towards a goal, maybe they're on a business trip where the Stanley Cup final is and we can help hook them up, whatever it might be. And it's just, we're here for a reason. If you can understand the joyous moments that you want to celebrate and the milestones along the way, and a company can help you get there, and that's gold. I saw somewhere a glimpse of some of your 101. So I'm curious, have you crossed off fly a fighter jet or build an entrepreneurship school yet? Are those still unchecked or have you done those? The entrepreneur school, I think we're making some progress on. That's a big life dream of mine is to our franchise organization is like an alternate business school. Someone can go get an MBA and spend a bunch of money at Harvard and then walk away with nothing other than the learning. Or you can come in with us and step-by-step step learn how to run a business and do it in a unique and different way and have this investment of something that you've actually built. So what we're trying to do, and we're partnering with um, someone out there who's very famous, whose name I will leave out of the conversation because we're not, we haven't finalized the deal, but we're trying to build a unique type of business school where people come in who don't have the money and they can partner with the two of us, myself and this other person to build an incredible business and life for themselves. When it can't get into school that gets, doesn't have the money and gets a scholarship, can we create sort of a scholarship program for our business school that helps give people a bit of a gift towards an opportunity that they can make for themselves? The fighter jet, I have not done yet. I have not done that yet. And one day I will, and it still terrifies me. But sometimes you put goals on there that make you nervous and make you sweat a little bit, but you're like, I will find a way one day to to check that off the list. I am excited for that entrepreneurship school. It sounds epic. And I have two people that could help support those life goals that have been guests on the show. So if you're interested, maybe we can talk about that afterwards. Please, but I had please. Lieutenant Colonel Waldo Waldman on my show. He's flown 50, 65 combat missions. That might be an interesting okay. conversation. And another friend that's done some entrepreneurship school stuff. Maybe that'd Very be cool, cool if I could help support you in that. But Thank cool. You. I know we're coming up on, on time, Brian. Man, there's so much more that we can explore. And I have 19 pages of notes. So I would just highly encourage Gosh. anyone to go check out BYOB. Just go study everything that Brian is doing because this is a true master at his craft that is in alignment with who he is, which I think is so beautiful. So maybe we'll end on a, a really nice, like sweet story that shows that not only are you living in alignment with your business, but also in your family life. And then we'll wrap things up from there really quickly. We'd love for you to share about your experience about taking your family to an Italian villa. Yeah, my I said my 40th birthday, I want to give back to my friends and family that have supported me in this journey of entrepreneurship. And I'm going to take my closest friends and family to Italy. And I rented this incredible villa on the countryside, right on a hilltop in a small town near Arezzo, just south of Florence. And it was beautiful. We ate and drank and cooked and just hung out for a week together. There were 30 of us, kids running around and just having a blast living that. What I like, love about Italy and why I chose Italy is I think North Americans often live to work. But I think the Europeans have figured out a bit of the opposite. And I love that 
in Italy, they'll take time. They'll go shut their shop and go have a big lunch with the family. And I think everything's about a balance. And I think at times we've got things out of balance and we're a little too busy and too addicted to our phone and social media. And we don't just stop and take in the fresh air and a nice glass of red wine or whatever it might be. And so that was my trip and it was absolutely epic. And uh, I planned on doing one in my 50th, but then the pandemic hit. I actually, the pandemic happened on my birthday, 50th birthday. So I'm like, yay, social distancing, this new thing. Not great for a birthday, but I will plan another big trip with friends and family again, just to share what I've built with those I love. That's beautiful. Maybe that is something that I didn't, when I did my journaling exercise yesterday for the 101, maybe I'm going to add that on there because my wife and I love Italy. Florence is near and dear to us. So maybe that'll be a, a fun thing to do for a birthday in the future. Man, Brian, this has been so incredible. I know we're coming up on time. So I usually just like to say really quickly something to our friends that are hanging out with us today. I just want to say, if this is your very first episode, you could be listening to any other podcast, you could be anywhere else, but you clicked on this episode with Brian and man, you picked an incredible episode to be hanging out with us. So I'm grateful to have you here. And if you're returning, say it every single week. I don't get sick of saying it. I appreciate you so much for being here and uh, listening to these incredible stories and wisdom from people like Brian. And so whether the one thing I will ask is this podcast can absolutely transform someone's life if you share it with them. So I would be honored and Brian would be honored if you would share this with a friend. It can absolutely make a massive impact on someone, but whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for listening. And Brian, any final things you want to say before we, we end things for today? I think you're full of connection and love. And I look at you again as 26. So half of my 52, exactly. And at such a young age, being able to understand your why and your commitment to the world and connecting people with ideas and greatness. And everyone should be sharing this podcast because there's a lot of not just our episode, but I'm, I can only imagine the learning and the gifts you're giving to others by sharing the guests that you bring on is pretty powerful stuff. So what an education and Grateful just to play one little tiny part of one of an episode. So thank you. Oh, Brian, thank you so much. That means so much to me. I appreciate you so much. And for friends listening, I look forward to continuing the conversation and uh, we'll talk to you soon.